Good morning. It's good to get an opportunity to share with you today. And uh, still the first service. When you don't preach very often, it's kind of hard to get back in the saddle again. And uh, so I want to take a minute and pray together. I want to welcome all of our guests and our visitors today and folks online that are watching. And uh, hopefully today we can share something with you from the Word of God that makes a difference in your life and makes a difference in someone else's life too. Let's take a minute and pray together. Father, it's my prayer today that your word will do what it says it will do. That it will look into people's hearts and their lifestyles, look into the way they live and what's going on. It also be a way of sharing hope and encouragement with so many people. I just uh, ask for your blessing today and just ask you to take the things that I put down on paper this week to encourage and to call to order your people. We just pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to read a passage from the book of Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes is one of those books that is kind of weird at times for people to get involved with. But it's King Solomon looking back at life and he's basically asked the question so many times in there, what gives life meaning? And he continually wrestles with that. And here's the world's richest, smartest man who ever lived. And he's asking questions about what gives meaning to life and what's life all about. And today we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. Let's do that together. It says, there's a time for everything and seasons for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak. A time to love, and a time to hate, and a time for war, and a time for peace. In the last 18 months, most of us would agree that time has been our enemy. The last months of, especially 2020, just kind of drug along as we had the lockdown, is it a mass debate, an illness and death. And it's so hard at times like that for us to get focused again or to even stay focused. You know, we battled the unseen and we've been attacked from every direction imaginable. It's been an exhausting year, both mentally, physically, and spiritually. And I'm sure you would all agree with that. Just like you all, I've been anticipating the big breakout. Going and doing something. You know, the last time I really did something big, the, in March of 2020, I was in Florida on a turkey hunt, and we came back through Atlanta, you know, 10 lanes wide Atlanta. We hit the south side of Atlanta, and 25 minutes later, we were on our way to Chattanooga. Roger and I looked at each other, and there were no cars on the road, and we made the comment, did Jesus come and we missed it? <laughs> you know, because it was like 
the end of the world had come and there was nothing around. It made us think about those things. Well, one of the things that Wilma and I had planned before COVID really got started, we missed it. In November of 2019, we'd get these little things on emails all the time. Go to the Panama Canal, $6.99 per person from Mobile, Alabama, Ocean View Room. And we just, and it was a deal. And we just kept talking about it till we finally missed it. So now, every few weeks, I get a little thing called about a Panama Canal cruise called a repositioning cruise. A trip from L.A. to the ends of Miami. And you know what the cruise company is wanting to do is wanting to put their ship down at Miami where it can be used the best, where it can make the most impact financially for their company. They're wanting to put it in a position for great things to happen with it. And I begin to think about that. You know, there comes a time in our lives right now where you and I need to reposition ourselves, put our lives in a position where God can use us in the greatest way. You know, as we move back to hopefully more normal living, it's gotten a little better. We need to reposition ourselves to leverage our faith and our influence for the greatest impact. And, you know, Labor Day, which is tomorrow, is one of those traditional or natural times to start over again. Summer's ended. You ladies can put your white shoes and white pants away, okay? For me as a kid growing up, traditionally, Tuesday was the first day of school. How many lived long that Tuesday after Labor Day was the first day of school. For farmers, farmer friends, it meant, hey, harvest is here. The push is on to get everything ready for the harvest. It was just one of those natural days on the calendar where you could look forward to something new or a new start. In the same way, I want all of us here to consider how we can take advantage of this opportunity to reposition ourselves Because as we look ahead, there are going to be tremendous opportunities open the door for us. You know, it talks about every season having a purpose in that book of Ecclesiastes. If we don't have a purpose in life, if we don't have a vision in life, we're just hanging on. Hanging on until we die. And because life without a purpose gets stagnant, like water... The sit still becomes a breeding ground for mosquitoes. A life without purpose gets stagnant and negative. We've seen this among our family, church family in the last year, where people, this stagnant lifestyle that we've had the last year, some people that have an attitude that we've never seen before. But today I want to share with you some things that can help you get back on focus, can help you get back on track with your life. As you reposition yourself for success. As you reposition yourself to be used of God like he's never used you before. To be repositioned, first of all, we have to reposition our personal faith. The Apostle Paul talks to one of his Timothys and he reminds him of where he had been. And what had gone on in his life. 
In 1 Timothy chapter 3, he says, Don't neglect your gift which was given you the prophecy when the body of elders laid your hands on yours. you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them that everyone may see your progress. Then he goes down into chapter, in 2 Timothy 1.3, he says, Remember who you learned these things from. From your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. He says, Timothy, remember the things of your past. Remember those foundations that made you the man you are, that make you the Christian you are. And this is what we want to do today. Is to remember those times in life once we reposition ourselves where God has done something in or through your life that you know is only a God moment. So it's so easy to forget what God's done. Remember the Israelites, they came through the Red Sea, and it wasn't just a few months later that they were saying, Moses has brought us out here in the desert to die. They forgot that Red Sea moment where God opened the waters and they marched through and the Egyptian army was killed behind them. We need to have those moments because there are so many things in our life, so many distractions that keep us on a focus, our family, our work, our hobbies, the COVID deal, all of these things keep us out of focus. So we need to look back from time to time and have one of those God moments. So I'll share a story. A friend named Bill, who is a retired mechanic, went on a mission trip earlier this year down to Kentucky, went to a little place called uh, Big Creek Mission. The county is the poorest county in Kentucky. They have one sheriff and one deputy. That is all they can afford for the whole county. That's how poor they are. Well, when you go on a mission trip, you find out that vehicles on a mission trip are usually junk. We always joke about they all farm with junk. They they band-aid them and put them back together. Well, Bill got there and he said, we were. they hauled 150 kids to, every day to a day camp. And their school bus windshield wipers didn't work. So Bill jumped in on that the very first thing because they were getting ready to start this day camp the next week. And he got digging in and he found out that there was a little relay that was bad. So he hops, goes down to Napa. And he's standing at the counter and the guy says, I can get you one on Thursday. He says it'll be $247 for that little black box. About that time, he felt someone tap him on the shoulder, and a gentleman unknown to him said, I've got two of those at my shop. I'll drop them off to you today. Now, isn't that a God moment? A strange man in a strange place with a problem that only God could put these two people together to save the mission $250 and save Bill two days waiting on the park to get there. And we all said, that's God at work. And we all have those times in our lives where we look back and we can reposition ourselves and remember, God did this in my life. So we want to encourage you to do that because it's an opportunity to reflect inwardly. You just went through communion time. And that's one of those times you got an inside look at yourself. Or Paul says, examine yourself. There's times all of us need to look inwardly. Because lots of times 
that look reveals something. I had an x-ray done a couple weeks ago and on my knee, and the lady, the doctor's office called me back and says, well, Mr. Grayless, you've had an injury to that knee a long time ago. I had forgotten about it. Yes, I did. I got hit head on in an international scout, and they had a metal dashboard, and I left a ding in the dash about that big. And that's had to be where that came. But that inward look reveals something. And you and I, as we look inwardly, reveals our need for a Savior, reveals the need for Christ to change things in our lives. It's also time for us to offer thanksgiving. Part of that, you know, lots of times we get so busy that we take for granted how great we have it. How much of a blessing. Our worst situation is far better than people who live in third world countries. And, you know, it's a time for us to reflect and thank God for the good things he's done in our life. Because you're here today shows that you're definitely interested in your spiritual well-being. But we need encouragement for that. The Apostle Paul tells Timothy once again, don't lose heart. Don't give up. If you're struggling, don't give up. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we need to fix our eyes on what is not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Fix our eyes on the unseen. The things that God reveals to us. You know, God wants to get our attention from time to time. I bet if you were, Jesus were in this room, he would be over here waving and say, Hey, I'm over here. You're going the wrong direction. Trying to show us and draw us back to the path that we need to be on. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Find that spot where you met God and move forward. And begin to reposition your personal faith in Jesus Christ. The second thing I want to talk about today is we need to reposition our mission. Our mission. You know, we know the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, and, you know, tax collectors in Jesus' time were not the most liked people in the world. They were known to cheat and lie and do all kinds of things to pad their own pockets. But Zacchaeus, that short little guy, he climbed up in a tree and Jesus went to his house that day and he had these words to say. I came to seek and save the lost. Jesus was ridiculed because of the people he hung out with. Sinners and people who were not religious enough. But Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house and he was forever changed. There used to be a sign, and I think I forgot to go out and look between services. You're entering the mission field. When we leave this building, we are being sent out to the world to be missionaries for Jesus Christ. 
Just like he sent out his disciples. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We need to realize that when we walk outside these doors as Christians, when we go to our neighborhood, we go to our workplace, we have to see it as a mission field. When we go to our school, when we get involved in a community group, it's an opportunity for God to use you and I to change people's lives. It may seem hard to comprehend. The Bible tells us that those who follow Jesus Christ are going to heaven. But those who choose to follow their ways or the ways of the world are going to hell. Those are hard things because in our world today in the 90s and early 2000s, the church was all about getting people to come. Come hear our music. Come to our great building. Come to this. Come and be seeker-friendly. Because many of that generation had a negative attitude about Christianity. But the time has come that we need to do something to change our strategy as a church and as individuals and realize that we're not just saved to sit, we're saved to share the story of Jesus Christ. We're not here just to pay the bills. We're not here just to have someone to preach our funeral. We're here to share with our community and our friends the story of Jesus Christ. We're here because people need a Savior. And that's something that you and I need to get embedded in our hearts and souls. This is the most important thing we have to share I'm not talking about browbeating someone. With those we come in contact with, it's the fact that they can't save themselves. Goodness doesn't get them there. Only the grace of Jesus Christ. And how we live our life is important. Now, we need to be transparent. We need to be transparent and, and share our struggles with people and let people know that, you know, we do things that just don't add up all the time that aren't perfect Christian behavior. But because of the grace of Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness. Here's some things Paul tells us to do. In Titus 2, he says, Encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good in your teaching. Show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. And over to the book of Proverbs, I'm going to actually use this for a friend's funeral who passed with COVID on Thursday. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed or to be respected is better than silver or gold. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is maker of them all. Our witness is important. And those things to be the person that God wants us to be, the witness that he wants us to be outside these walls in the mission field are so important. Because of our faith in Jesus Christ, we are placed in the middle of opportunities, whether at school, at work, in our neighborhood, in our family, 
for people to see God at work in your life. You never know when that spirit-filled word or conversation with someone changes their life, not just for a moment, but for eternity. So we need to reposition ourselves so that we're able to do the mission Christ has called us for. And the third thing, if we take those two things seriously, we need to reposition ourselves for ministry. Minnow Simon said, True evangelical faith cannot lie dormant. It needs to clothe the naked. It feeds the hungry. It comforts the sorrowful. It shelters the destitute. It serves those that harm it. It binds up that which is wounded and become all things to all people. Just as Jesus himself said, the Son of Man did not come to serve, be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus wasn't like the religious leaders of his day. They wanted recognition for what they did. They wanted recognition for their giving. They wanted recognition for their prayers. They wanted the the best seat in the house on Saturday at the Sabbath meeting. But that was Jesus. It wasn't Jesus' way. He was known for doing what he had to do to make a difference in people's lives. He ate with sinners. When I think of him serving, I think of his disciples when he washed his feet and he pulled up his robe and he tucked it in and he got down on his hands and knees and washed the disciples' feet. He took on the lowest servant's job in the house. If we want to be like Jesus, we've got to be willing to minister. Now, when I was at Union Christian Church, once a year we had what was called the deep clean day. If you, your Sunday school class met in a certain room, your Sunday school class showed up, and they threw all the junk away. They cleaned the corners out. It was a day that it came out looking like a toothbrush clean detail car. And those people who didn't go to Sunday school, they showed up, to clean the auditorium, the go-to-church-only people. And I was there one Saturday morning with a group of people, and I had my putty knife out. And I was crawling under the seats, taking the bubble gum off. You know, and I got back there, and this little lady who had become, came to our church from a large mainline denomination, she looked at me and she says, what are you doing here? You're the pastor. And I looked at her and I said, if it's good enough for me, you to be here and work and serve today, it's good enough for me to be here. And you know, I built a relationship with that lady because she saw me not just as someone who wanted to be served, but as someone who was willing to do a job that nobody else was wanting to do that day. Let me tell you what, after 20 years of sitting in church, pews accumulate a bunch of gum. I had a big job that day. But it, it, it taught her a lesson that just because you're the pastor doesn't mean you're better than anybody else. You have to serve in the same way. In the same way, when we talk about reinventing ourselves or repositioning ourselves to serve, with mission in mind, you go into things with a totally different attitude. Let's say you're coaching little league ball. You're not just the little league coach. If you're a Christian coach, 
you're probably the only solid male figure to two or three or four of those little boys that are on the field there because they have no dad present in their life. And God has given you a tremendous opportunity to invest an influence in their lives. If you're a school teacher, boy, those opportunities are everywhere. If you're at work, I can guarantee this will happen to you. If you're the Christian guy in the shop or in the factory, I can guarantee you that one of the guys, when his life begins to fall apart, will seek you out and give you an opportunity to minister in the name of Jesus Christ. Because he looks at your life and sees the stability and the change of Christ working. And we could just go on and on. We see whatever we do in ministry, from changing a diaper in the nursery, you're not just doing that, you're making a little child have a wonderful experience at First Christian Church. When we look at it from that perspective, it transforms how we think about our faith, our mission, and our ministry. We have a friend who works, and this is a good, in, good way if you're uh, maybe even a senior citizen, is involved with the CASA program. And she uses it to provide stability for youngsters that are in the, parents are in the court system, in the child protective system. Tremendous opportunity. And you can just find those ways where you can go out into the world with Christ in your heart and an opportunity to represent Him and do a great ministry. We'll always say, we need folks here too. Well, let's go back. Let's go back to the 1870s. And you're going to take a ride on the stagecoach. We know every cowboy movie has a stagecoach show up somewhere along the way. The stagecoach was the most common means of transportation until the railroads came through. And the stagecoach offered three classes of tickets. Even though they all got to ride inside the coach, there were three tickets. So what's the difference? First class passengers rode all the way. If you had a second class ticket... You got out and walked when the horses came to a steep grade. If you had a third-class ticket, you had to get out and not only walk, but had to help push the carriage up the hill on a grade. The ministry of the church has no first-class tickets. It has no second-class tickets. The church only has third-class tickets where we all work together to bring glory to God and change to people's lives. Our passenger status calls us to get out of our seats, pull up our sleeves, and get to work in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Let's wrap it up by... Going back and looking at things. Maybe your life is a mess. And you know, God's been in your life in the past and you need that. You know, because life isn't always easy. Paul put it this way. He says, we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. 
Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Life gets tough. And maybe going back and reestablishing that personal faith is part of it. Maybe you need to pray for that person that God's laid on your heart as part of your mission. Maybe you need to think, hey, I've been riding first class, just tagging along. And I need to use what God has given me to honor and serve Him. Wherever you're at today, I always tell people, God will meet you where you're at and show you where you need to go. And you're there today. Follow the trust, the will of God in your life. Reposition yourself. Maybe you need to be like me. I reinvent myself every once in a while. You say, what do you mean? My life's changed as I went into semi-retirement and I can't do some of the things I used to do. And so I have to reinvent myself to be useful in the kingdom of God. Maybe you're one of those people who's just looking to reinvent yourself. But think deep and think hard and listen to that spirit that Christ put in you that he might guide you where you need to be.